Hello and welcome to For the Love of Beer podcast. I'm Phil Savory, joined as always by my good friend, Mark Carly Johnson. Hello, and I've not Googled hello in Czech quick enough. Well, you say Czech, but then you could have picked from a variety of languages. I could have done. But we'll come to that. But ahoj to you. Hello, ahoj to you in Czech. Ahoj to you. Um, We are coming to you again on a beautiful... um, sort of mid-spring afternoon from the Hardy Johnson Skypod. It's like a cool summer's day, isn't it? The bifolds are open. Yeah. You're living, you're living your best middle-class life. I am, yeah. <laughs> We're only missing the um, hot tub outside. We've not quite got that up yet, have we? Maybe, maybe our hot tub pod has to be in the offing at some point. I just think it's a bit gay, though, isn't it? Well, it is a bit, but... You we know, might have to. Homoerotic content is is, in, <laughs> is the in thing, isn't it? <laughs> it could be a big winner that episode. Let's 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 switch up the pronouns and yeah. and, and <laughs> enter enter uncharted territory. Right, um, for those of you uh, new to the show, uh, this is um, going to be what we would call an extracurricular. Um, normally, the name of the game is that we are working through a bucket list of one hundred different beers from one hundred different countries, um, exact beers from the exact countries on the bucket list. Um, we don't have control of it. We just have to follow the list. That's the that's the aim of the game. And we're about what eight, nearly eighty beers in. We are eighty beers in. Eighty now, beers yeah. in. Yeah, twenty so left to go. We're we're a good chunk of the way through, um, but it gets hard and hard to get them. So we have an extracurricular beer, um, and something a little bit different to talk about on the, on this episode. It's almost like I mean I know you're on the pod all the time. But you're almost kind. It's almost kind of like a, uh, like an interview, like a guest, like a guest interview. Yeah, I would say, because uh, Mark's been a busy boy. Um, For for once in our podding careers, we've got something to talk about, constructive, something decent to talk about. Yeah, yeah, something good. Um, So yes, I've been a busy boy. You have been a busy boy. So um, around about a couple of weeks ago. well, actually, before I do that, let me ask you a question, because I haven't asked you this before. So, before you sort of tell the listeners a, a brief intro to what, what you did, were you in any way inspired by Martin Roberts from Homes Under the Hammer? He was in the back of my mind while doing this. Because yes. I didn't know if you were aware of when he was doing it. I saw it on his Twitter, yeah. So, yeah. Martin... Um... Don't spoil it. Drove a car. Let's just say it was a van full of tampons. <laughs> and he drove it a long way. Yeah. Um, whereas yourself, uh, it was a bus, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Three so, empty ones. So, oh, fuck all. Where did this idea come from? And what was the what was the idea? What planted the seed? Before work, one morning, approximately three weeks ago, Scrolling through Twitter, as you do, sitting on the sofa, doing pretty much nothing, thinking about the electric prices going through the roof, doing nothing, and I just happened to stumble upon a post asking for volunteer bus drivers um, to take three buses, or to take part in taking three buses across to the Ukraine border that had been donated by Arriva Bus. So Arriva are a big... Um, the Europe, in fact, the worldwide, I think, but particularly in Europe, Arriva are a big bus and public transport company. Um, and Arriva bus, I donated these three buses, 
Um, they were end of life, so it's not like it's cost them much, but they'd saved them from scrap, donated them to a charity in Ukraine, mm-hmm. which was going to rescue children from an orphanage in several parts of Ukraine, I think, from what I can gather, yeah, and bring them to safety in eastern Poland, um, east of Krakow, in a place called... And I'll say it wrong, so I apologise to any Polish listeners, if there are any. Zesial. Yeah. R-Z-E-S-Z-O-W. Lovely little town. Eastern Poland. It's about 25, 30 miles from the border. Yeah. It's where we stayed the last night. We dropped these buses off. The charity are going to rescue all these kids, bring them, you know, bring them to safety, do good stuff, blah, blah, blah. So, as it happens, a reaver had arranged for these buses to be donated to this charity in Ukraine. There was a driver agency. You know, obviously you have like lorry drivers and all yeah. sorts of stuff. They, a lot of them are drive-through agencies that was going to take these buses um, across the Ukraine, but it wasn't entirely legal what we were. Yeah, it wasn't all above board. You know, I came across a new phrase which I hadn't heard before. This, but GIFD, get it fucking done. Yeah. Well, that's Some, the same as, like, J, JFDI, isn't it? Just, just fucking do it. I guess to spin on that. I suppose so. And I'd never heard of that before. But GIFD summed me right up. That's what yeah. I'm all about. I'm a bit old school with that sort of stuff. I'm not a rule breaker, but... And you're also not a bus driver, technically. I'm also not a bus driver, no, but I sort of am. I've got the licence. <laughs> um, so it sums me up. That, for me, was one of the reasons for wanting to do it. Because... Mm. This driver hire firm had sort of let this charity down. So within, so this was on the Thursday morning, mid morning, and by the Sunday early morning, I was on my way up to Barnsley getting a lift up there to go and collect one. Well, there's three of us meeting in Barnsley to go and collect these buses, and from there we drove them across the hull, where they were all the oil and coolant, water, fuel, all that was donated and topped up by. A different bus company in Hull. Obviously, this guy in a reaver that's done all the arranging must have a connection with East Yorkshire Bus Company. Yeah. They agreed to, they washed them and everything for us. Absolutely spotless. Well, as spotless as a 16 year old bus can be. Anyway. Yeah. When we left, everything was topped up, ready to go. Best chance that we can have is if everything's as good as it can be. So that's what they did. Topped them up for us, looked after us for the afternoon. Gave us some free hats. What more could you want? Brilliant. So how many of you were there doing this? Because you had three buses. Yeah. So how many of you were there were doing it? Seven in total. Right. Never knew each other before it. Yeah. So it all came together from... There's a, a bus industry show called Showbus. Yeah. Which... You know, you meet up every year and, you know, whatever. All these buses come along and people mill around, you know, whatever. Um... They were the ones that advertised it on Twitter for how it came about. I'll go back again. So there's a guy called John Harris who owns a tech company which has got an office in Ukraine. The charity that we're being donated to called Aerial Recovery Group is an American mm-hmm. veterans charity who repurpose their vets to go and do something that's going to be constructive for them. And in this case, they've got a, an appeal on in Ukraine 
where they've repurposed some of their vets. They're going into the dangerous areas, bringing people out, doing whatever they need to do. So they were then connected to the charity, which was the orphanage, who obviously they're working together, getting it all sorted out. So John Harris is the guy who sort of pieced it all together from the start. So Aerial Recovery Group saved some of his staff from, from the dangerous areas. He then said to them, is there anything you need or what I can do, you know, whatever, to help. They asked for some buses to be able to transport more people out of the dangerous areas. He's got no background in public transport whatsoever. However, he does. he's friends with a guy who's quite high up in Arriva called Steve, who managed to source the buses, but Arriva didn't really want anything to do with getting them there. Yeah. They was just like, you can have them. So out of the people that were, that were, that were with you doing it, none of them actually worked for Arriva? Uh, two did. All right, so okay. how it came about, so Arriva didn't really want anything to do with it, you know, have them, but we yeah. don't really, you know, whatever. And they sort of let them disappear and we'll think no more about it. So as it came about, this advert went onto Twitter. Two people who worked for Arriva Bus UK must have seen the advert, got involved, not through Arriva, but got involved of their own accord. Um, one of which, John ended up doing most of the organising because he's an organiser so he, he sort of took over all that which I was quite happy with. I was there to drive, I've yeah. no issue with that. It was me. Uh, so John's from Reading. Lynn also works for Arriva, it's from Lee near Lanc- uh, in Lancashire, near Wigan. Me from South Cheshire. There's a guy called Robert who's a smart meter fitter from Glasgow. And then there was Kieran who is a self-employed bus industry advisor right. from Doncaster and then there was two from Cornwall who worked for a bus company down there so people from all over the place I was going to say I was quite I, I, I was surprised uh, um, shall we open, crack open the beer by the way just to insult you there uh, yeah well we'll come to that I, I was um, yeah I, I was surprised at how how spread out they all yeah. were so it was literally all, all corners of the yep. it was all corners of the, of the country never met each other banding before together until three of us met in Barnsley, Barnsley, yeah. on the Sunday after, well Sunday morning to go and collect the buses, um, and then the rest came and met up with us later on. So the two from Cornwall got to Reading, and then John, who lives in Reading, his dad drove up all three of them up to Hull in his pickup um, to come and meet up with us, and that was that. So let's pause that story there. So the extracurricular beer that we've got. Um, what's the beer called? It's called Monopole Schletti Lesiak, which is, it's a pilsner, and it's a certain type of pilsner. It is a pale lager, um, which I didn't realise, because obviously none of the things in English, which yeah. I'll come to in a little while, but um, they do loads of different um, different types. of Vienna lager looks quite interesting. Yeah, this is a pale lager. It's in a huge brown plastic bottle. Is it which a litre exa- and a half? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, 1.5 litres. Yeah. It's massive. So basically, when we last did a Czech beer, which you may remember was Gambry Nuts, yes, that was, it's that exactly was the same type of bottle. It's massive. And it's a big plastic bottle as well, which again is something completely out of the ordinary to us the only thing beer that had this in common that we've ever discovered is Gambrinus yeah it's bizarre it's in the country it must be a Czech thing I should have asked but the people around there don't speak fantastic English and obviously my Czech isn't great <laughs> so it's uh, a litre and a half we've got to get through 
and it's a uh, 5.2%. This is our first home brew, sort of home brew beer. So this beer I bought from the hotel that I stayed in, in Teplice, which is in northwestern uh, Czech Republic. Hotel called um, Hotel Pivovar Monopol. Beautiful Art Deco 1920s hotel. In fact, it's, it's earlier than that, but it's sort of Art Deco-y type of yeah. decoration in there. Uh, but they brew their own beer. It's got a sort of hotel restaurant next to it. Massive um, copper things that they brew beer in. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic hotel. Um, so there you go. Hotel Pivovar Monopole. So uh, this is my first take. You you were drinking this out there, weren't you? I did have this and you're on having draft. It on draft. I did have it on draft. Yeah. So obviously my my first thoughts are um again I guess for you you've got a comparison point because you're going to compare that to draft. For me, this doesn't taste like it's come from a plastic bottle. It doesn't. It tastes nice, doesn't it? It tastes fresher, but I'm guessing yeah. that's because of. It's straight from the source, almost, isn't it? It's it's basically been brewed mm. in small batch, and it's it's probably not very old, is it? I doubt it. No, so the um, the expiry date on it's twenty second of the sixth, oh, so twenty twenty two, handwritten yeah. in ballpoint pen. But it, but f- almost fresh is that is one of the words I sort of describe for it. Oh, yeah, I would it's assume fresh. it's probably gone straight into the fridge where I picked it up from. Um, it's nice. It, it's a bit gassy, but we're sitting here. With our middle class life with the bifold doors open. Nice summer's day. This is going to be a perfect barbecue beer straight away. Yeah, although I think for outsiders, so your barbecue guests, I think would be put off by the plastic bottle. I don't think the ambassador would be impressed with that. The ambassador would not. So let's straight away get out of the way now. Ambassador is not going to touch it. Um, Or maybe you would on draft. But again, it's probably too it's probably too small, too small brood, bit too working class. Yeah, that's the, the thing about the Czech um, Republic. I'm basically sort of Eastern Europe. It's it's working class. It's too working class for the ambassador. And and people sort of it has this association with good beer, but obviously it's a place where people go and they can get basically pissed on the cheap. Yeah, exactly. Which is why Prague's such a big like tourist destination yeah. for for us lot. Have you been there? Never been. No, it doesn't really appeal to me. I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but I mean, there's no, no slight on Prague or the Czech Republic. It's just there's other places I would rather go and see and explore. Yeah. More so that it, it's not like top of my list by any means. No. Not, um, not to say I would never go there, just not on my list. So, sorry, so how does that compare to draft from your. From your it is gas, I've got to say. It is, yeah. So, the time when I. T- when we tried Luxembourg, and I drank quite a lot of draft of that, because I had quite a lot of time to myself, whereas with this, I only had one one jug pint of it, mm. and it was after a 14-hour day of driving. I was knackered. Mm. I had it with my steak. Yeah. I can't remember much about it, to be quite honest with you. It went down like a treat. That's I was going to say, it's, f- it's sort of fresh, it's full of flavour, it's gassy. And mm. sometimes, like, gassy lagers... You don't get too much of the flavour, do you? It's kind of that sort of airy, cheap kind of... But this is... It's full of flavour. It's got good depth to it, it's a good. Say. It's a great summer beer, this is. It's decent. It's I think it's a decent all weather beer. It's nicely chilled as well. We've had it in the freezer for an hour. And it's, and it's perfect weather for Oh, it. it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Beautiful. So, um, 
So we're in Hull. We're in you're in Hull. So that's where you're setting off from. Well, officially setting off from Hull. Yeah, sort of. But we we had to bring the buses from Barnsley to start with. So yeah. they've been to this driver hire firm, which um, got them from the northwest. So two of the buses, I work in Chester. Two of the buses were actually from Chester, quite by purely by chance. So they're off my home turf. Um, so they're from Chester. This driver firm had taken them across to Barnsley during the week, and sort of dumped them at a lorry yard so we had to go and pick them up on the Sunday morning got to them and two of them wouldn't start so we had to jump start them off the one that would so it's not a great start already um, eventually got them going motorway across to Hull batteries charging all good we're good to go so gets across the Hull had them all topped up everything's looking good we've got drums full of diesel and oil and all sorts everything um, you know sort of keep us going as far as we can so we spent the afternoon in Hull got ourselves across to the ferry sadly a P&O ferry but you can't have everything that was the only way we could get across to to the continent cause what's going on with them at the moment is that still did they still sack are they, I think so did, it's gone they, quiet, did they still sack everyone did, are, are people still on, like, on the boats refusing to get off I don't, I don't know, what know. With that. well the one that we went on was uh, registered in Holland, well, Netherlands, so it had a Netherlands crew on it. So Maybe that will not affect us. So, so it wasn't affected, no, apparently um, P&O have only sacked the British-based crews of their ships, mm. so they're the ones that have got the issues. We were going to try and get the Eurotunnel to start with, that was the first option, but there was no space on it, because Dover to Calais, all the boats were full, so we couldn't get space on them mm. until like another two weeks along the line and as nature dictates we needed to get them there so you had the ferry from Hull to, was it Rotterdam Hull to Rotterdam yeah like uh, Del Boy mm. absolutely fantastic Rotterdam is anywhere anywhere alone overnight ferry yep got a berth I felt felt a bit like Jane McDonald you know going wandering <laughs> around the ship uh, <laughs> I did try and do a couple of videos, but I sounded like a right twat, so I won't be sharing them. Are you good on uh, on ferries? Because I find um, I, I, ferries, I yeah. get quite seasick. Yeah, I've no ferries. issue with ferries whatsoever. Dear. Absolutely brilliant. I'll tell you what I'd love to do as well, if we could do an FT LOB pod trip across to maybe Amsterdam or Rotterdam or something, yeah. um, on the ferry. They've got a great bar in there. It's like a cruise ship. There's um, like live entertainment until one in the morning or something like that. It's absolutely brilliant. I love the idea of a cruise, but I'm just worried that I would be just constantly having to be popping like travel sickness tablets. It the whole time. Up, yeah, it woke me up in the middle of the night. I was on the top bunk and mm. there was not a lot of space up there. Um, it did wake me up probably about four in the morning. Yeah. Sort of swaying side to side. You know, you think you're going to fall out of bed, but I didn't. Um, and that was it. We were up, by, up again by about seven o'clock. Shower, change, breakfast, crack on with it. Did that feel then like the real start of I was a bit concerned. Journey. Now, I didn't let... The people that I went with, um, there's only two, the two from Cornwall, they're regular bus drivers now, but all the rest have done it at some point and then gone on to other careers. Yeah. Like the two Arriva people, they're managers, so they, they don't really drive anymore, yeah. but you know they wanted to do it. So I was a bit nervous because... I took my bus driving test nine years ago and I've never driven a bus since the day I've passed my test. Now, I didn't tell anyone that. And also, 
I've only ever driven something like a Fiat 500 or something of that size mm. on the wrong side of the road. Now, I was a little bit concerned about this. And I had a couple of sleepless nights before it, thinking yeah. this could be an issue here. So what I did when we got off the ferry, I backed it onto the ferry. Bear in mind, I'd not driven a bus in nine years. I'd reversed onto a ferry with about two feet worth of gap either side. Did of it. you nail it? Absolutely smashed it. I've got a video of it on YouTube. Okay, so Actually, instant confidence booster there. I think that was what made me feel a lot more confident. It yeah. really did. Um, it was like getting back on a bike. Mm. As soon as I sort of got on the dual carriageway across towards Hull, it was absolutely fine. I felt comfortable. I got me one arm out of the window, mm. you know, driving one-handed. Perfect. Got the tunes on. Yeah. Perfect. And then once I'd reversed it onto the boat, nailed it, whacked the air brake on, I thought, you know what? I feel like I'm at home now. We got it. So I had a few beers during the uh, the ferry. So what I thought was I'll let... We we paired up on each bus mm. and there was one sort of floating driver that could, you know, help out. Um, so I thought I'll let the other one on my bus drive in the morning and I sort of encouraged her to do that. Yeah. Just so I can get my bearings within on the wrong side of the road. So so we did that. It was yeah. absolutely hammering down with rain, howling winds, pissing down. So we drove across to Amsterdam. So we, we'd been asked to go and collect some medical cabinets. We didn't really know what they were. We just assumed they were full of paracetamol or something. Yeah. Whatever. From Amsterdam, which I don't know how far. Hour and a half drive, I think. These buses are only do 45 mile an hour top end speed, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Must have been about an hour and a half, two hours maybe, drive across to Amsterdam. Not far off the middle of Amsterdam. I didn't see the canals or anything, but... Pulls into this warehouse, and John, the organiser, phoned this lady called... In fact, I can't remember her name. Really bad, but anyway. Meets up at this warehouse. Pulled the buses into, you know, sort of as far as we could get. And it turns out that they, they were actually... Um, Ultrasound scanners okay. that had been donated from a company in the Netherlands to be taken to maternity wards in the Ukraine. Not the Ukraine, it's in Ukraine um, to be used, you know, as they needed to be. Because um, obviously there's a lot of babies being born at the moment and they don't have the means to be able to look after people. Yeah. So we didn't know this, so we picked them up and we strapped them into the wheelchair area. They fit perfectly, they were massive. Um, sort of shoulder height, I mean, I'm not massive, obviously, but shoulder height on me, they were huge things. Strapped them in and that was it. So we got them all together. Then we swapped back over. I then did the driving then across to a place called Ruermond in sort of southern Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, John, the organiser, working for Arriva, he'd made some contacts with his counterparts in Europe and arranged for us to drop into several different Arriva depots to get fuel up basically because these buses hold hundreds of litres of diesel. I was going to say, how many miles would you get out of a tank? Um, we reckoned they were going to do about 300. Miles? Yeah. Is that it? But the fuel gauges didn't work. Right. So we didn't know. Shit. Yeah. And we... I can't remember what the exact um, capacity of the tanks was but... There was varying opinions on what they held. 
So we didn't really know how many leaves were going into them. So was there kind of, so was driving it? Was were you sort of having to try and keep a, a rough tab on how many miles you think you'd done? Well, or were there certain of, telltale of, signs that from the bus that would give you that sort of feeling that could be in trouble there? We yeah, not to... at all. No, not until you like right at the last sort of ebbs of it, and it starts coughing and yeah, slowing down. Then no, not really. So you just sort of you got to trust it that. It's not losing any fuel, and it is going to do 300 miles, but you're going to have to fill up at some point. Mm. So we got from Hull across to Amsterdam, down to Rotterdam, uh, Ruhrmann. Um, then the buses were top, topped up at this Arriva garage, and then that gave us an idea then of what MPG they were doing and all that sort of stuff. So then we started to compete on that as of the second day then. Um, <laughs> I'm very pleased to announce that I won it for two days. Congrats. Thank you very much. Um, I and Lynn, my co-driver, obviously. Um, we absolutely smashed it. Um, our best MPG for a day was 12.99 MPG. I mean, my car does 70 without even yeah. breaking a sweat. And that's what they were doing, but it was costing hundreds to fuel them up. But fortunately, Reva put the, you know, the these depots on the continent. They were donating the yeah. fuel, so it was brilliant. Oh, so was it? So it wasn't like they gave you one of those like fuel card type things. Was it a case you get to a particular depot? Yeah, so we got to and Arriva. then handle the rest. So we got to Reva at Ruhrmond. Um Lovely lady there called Diana. She looked after us, gave us some drinks, and looked after us. This brand new, beautiful depot and all these brand new buses and everything. We turned up in these three heaps of shit and they put them on the fuel row for us and fueled them up and it's just like yeah we'll deal with that excellent nice they donated the fuel and every I think people must have sort of obviously clocked on to what we were doing because I think word obviously got around the company and people were really grateful for it and it was brilliant and so we stayed in this amazing hotel in Ruhrmond which is a beautiful place you'd never think to visit there but it really is a stunning place Um. But they lent us a car for the night to, you know, yeah. to get back to from the hotel. And that's how much you were looking after us. Absolutely brilliant. So we got up the next morning. So this is now, what we're on now, day three. You're on day three, yeah. Yeah. So we got up the next morning, got to the buses, which had been, they'd housed them indoors for us in Ruhrmond, Arriva Ruhrmond. Um, got to one of them and it had a flat tyre. Happened to be mine as well that had a flat tyre. Fortunately, the the rear two sets of tyres are like double tyred basically, mm. and it was one of the inside ones. Um, what so they didn't have to? Well, place it. We think it had been flat since Rotterdam when yeah. we got there in the morning, but we don't really know. So not sabotaged by the KGB. Well, it could have been. You never know. Um, however, because it's a new depot and. It, everything sort of looked after properly. They don't have any maintenance facilities, so we couldn't get it fixed at the depot. So they, they arranged for us to go to a tyre place about half an hour down the road, and they fixed it, and that was it. Off like we a went. Dutch quick fit? Yeah, didn't charge us. Told him what we... I think they told them what we were doing, and he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. That was it, off we went. So, But that delayed us by a good hour, if not more, and by the time we messed around with it and got it sorted, and... Whatever, so anyway, we cracked on. We drove all the way through Germany in one day, doing maximum of 45 mile an hour. I was going to say, that must have been so frustrating to be on 
the autobahn and only able to do 45 mile an hour devastating absolutely devastating have you driven on the autobahn before in a, in a normal car the first time I've driven through oh, Germany it's great it is great because it's basically you go as fast as you want and if you crash it it's your fault yeah basically do you not surprise me was that obviously round here motorways for us are three three lanes mm. didn't go in well next to no three lane roads all the way over to uh, Zesau yeah pretty much everything is what we consider as a dual carriageway yeah. yeah but they're not busy and they're pretty well kept um, in Germany they're amazingly well kept yeah I know it's like a stereotype but honestly the roads all yeah, the roads I've driven on have been immaculate even yeah. like rural country roads where it's the autobahn residential areas town centres spot it's on brilliant yeah, yeah. So I yeah, don't understand drove, why they can do that and we can't we drove all the way across Germany into a place called Tepliche in northwestern Czechia. So you had no stops in Germany? You were we just... did, yeah. We stopped off because we had to swap drivers. You could only oh, do... Right. Officially, you can do something like, I think it's three and a half hours, but we were knocking about four because you're delivering humanitarian aid. Mm. You get exempt from stuff like driving hours and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but having said that, we did have enough drivers to not push a lot. You know, we're big enough and old enough to say, I'm knackered. Mm. Let's swap out. So we did that. Um, I think we did about four hours and then we stopped um, stopped for a McDonald's in where was it Becca used to live Paderborn yeah stopped at a Mackey's next to Paderborn just mm. off the, the motorway the autobahn so that was it I had about an German hour. Mackey's in comparison to ours how would you rate it pretty much the same however I then discovered that they do a strawberries and cream flavoured apple pie. Obviously, mm. it's not apple, but it's a strawberries and cream pie, um, which was just phenomenally good. Mm. Unbelievable. I don't know why we don't have meat. It's like cream cheese, but it was phenomenal. Unbelievably good. And obviously, molten hot. It was molten hot. I had to wait for it to cool. You don't want to be squeezing it, otherwise people are going to get burned. Yep. So, so that was it. So we cracked on after that through to, to Pliche. Um, it took us hours. It was just never ending, 45 mile an hour. As it happened, our bus, mine and Lynn's, was actually the fastest of the three. So we were having to hold back all the time. Um, so was the idea for all three of you to stay in convoy? We did for most of it, yeah. Not yeah. until the last day when we sort of ended up getting a bit lost. But we caught up again later on. But apart from that, yeah, we did. So was that Germany section the hardest part of the journey? Long and never ending. Yeah. Yeah. So then we finally got to Tepliche. I think it's about must have been about half past eight at night. Then we had to get hold of the depot manager because obviously he'd arranged for us to have the buses fueled and oiled and all that sort of stuff. And we had a couple of issues. One of the windscreen wipers broke on ours, um, and it was pissing down the rain. So fortunately, it wasn't the driver's side one; it was the other. But then you couldn't see out in the mirror, so we needed to. It just needed sort of bolting back on. Yeah. Um, anyway, he fixed that, so we had to take him on the pits, and that was an experience. Not because obviously you can't really see where you're going to fall down it, but anyway. Um, so by the time we'd done all that, we finally got to Hotel Monopole um, for about half past nine, quarter to ten. And they, they weren't very happy about serving us food because we were that late. Yeah. I think they were a bit pissed off, and the chef wanted to go home. Um, and the woman was a bit angry. And so I got in trouble. So With you or the chef? With everyone, really. Oh, right. Just life. <laughs> um, so they had loads of Hotel Monopole merchandise, like beer mugs and 
t-shirts, hoodies, beer, mm. all sorts. And I sort of went looking at this fridge. I thought, oh, I'll have one of them. I know I can do an episode of this. Yeah. Um, so I picked one out of the fridge, went to walk around to pay for it. She gave me a right bollocking for helping myself. In check? Yeah. <laughs> she was just like wittering away at me. She's the only one that spoke a little bit of English. And, all right. And I, I can't criticise that because I don't speak Czech, but she was not happy. She was not a happy woman. But anyway, I paid for it and that was that. So So the um so that so though that was the last hotel you stayed in, am I right, before you went yeah. back? So So was that your was that your best stop off or did you prefer Raumond? I preferred Raumond as a hotel. In fact no, that wasn't our last hotel, which I'll come to that later on. But so Raumond was a brand new Art Deco style hotel. Um, built in 2020, I think it was. Most stunning hotel, really was. But it's built in the Art Deco style. I saw some of the pictures you shared yeah. on them. Um, I mean, they looked it looked absolutely stunning. Absolutely, but it looked a lot older than it. Building. It looked like a like it was like 100 years old. Yeah, but it wasn't. It's was brand, brand new. new. Smelt brand new, looked brand new, and felt it. Absolutely fantastic place. But then this hotel Monopole in uh, Tbilisi was equally good, but in a different kind of way. It had a shitload of character from what I it saw. Really it really did. Absolutely fantastic place. So the beer, the, the whole brewing the beer on site's a nice It's brilliant. And they've got a, a well. lovely, gorgeous restaurant. So they, they had a, a menu, which was translated to English, but badly. Mm. So it said, in this menu, on the back, it sort of gave you a bit of a blurb about the restaurant. And it said that it used to be a dance hall. I think it was built in 1850, something like that. But it was, it looked, to me, it looked art decoy, but it was built a lot before that era. Um, built in sort of 1850-ish, and it had been a dance hall that has, over the years, been converted. And it said, at one point, that it was a slaughterhouse. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, because I Googled it, I thought, that can't be right, sure. How would you go from a dance hall to slaughtering pigs yeah. to then being a restaurant and a hotel? That doesn't work. So I Googled it. And it turns out, I think it was just lost in translation. Right. Um, but yeah, on the night, I was reading this thing. Canals used to be slaughter out here. Fantastic. But anyway, it wasn't. But So we, I think we finally got to bed probably about 11 o'clock. We were all knackered. We'd had a probably 14-ish hour day, something mm. like that. What with the breakdown and all that. So let's get to bed. Probably about midnight, we were back up again. Right, last day. Let's get up early. Let's hit this hard. So we were back up at 5 o'clock. The next morning, fuck all sleep, and we go in all the way across um, Czech Republic, right the way through to eastern Poland, past Krakow. We've got, got to go on the, the bypass round of Krakow, and we're going right through to eastern Poland. Let's hit it hard, let's get on with it. So, got up at five, gets down to the buses, starts them up, all good, we're ready to go, let's crack on. So we did, I did the first drive, coming through... I can't remember the name of the place, but I think we must have been something like three and three quarter hours into it. So I'm within the last sort of half an hour of my first driving stint on that first, on the last day. So your Dalmatian's come over to say hello. Here he is. Sorry, carry on. So I'm within the last half an hour of my driving on the last day, going up a hill into this small town in Czechia, and the bus suddenly just loses all power. Thinking, shit. It's not a massive hill, but thinking, shit. No power. Pulled over to the side. 
Fucking shit. On the last day, my heart sank. You're thinking, you come all this way. Yeah. And the one that's been the best bus so far, it was the fastest. It, there was no issues with it whatsoever. Well, Passing you say the that, you, had the, you lost the wiper, you had the puncture and the wiper. Well. But you weren't the quickest. The puncture wasn't its own fault. Hmm. And the wiper, you can do without that if you need to, can't you? Um, but it was the only one that had heating as well. So we were going through sort of five and ten degrees every day. And the others had got massive coats on, hmm. hats, gloves, scarves freezing the bollocks off and me and Lynn were sitting in ours with the shirt sleeves on absolutely brilliant best bus there was <laughs> so coming up into this place in eastern Czechia uh, in fact no it's probably middle Czech um, and he just lost all power absolutely everything we didn't know what had gone wrong with it so we cracked open the boot had a look nothing immediately wrong um, we were in convoy at that point but the other two didn't see me stop early enough to, until they carried on um, so anyway managed to get hold of him got him stopped one of the guys came back to us and we were sort of messing about trying to do it and then we were facetiming people back in the UK to try and get some help um, and then it sort of fixed itself so this engine problem come out of nowhere we think that through everyone being having such good intentions by topping water and oil yeah. and everything up we think it had got overfilled with water. Right. And the pressure of it had blown the cap off, which then released the pressure, so it had no water pressure. So it just had to wait to build that back up again? To... Yeah, or it overheated or something. Yeah. I don't know anything about engines, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a real bloke, but it sort of, I think it sort of overheated, for want of a better word. So once it had calmed itself down, we put the boot back down, and then it developed another problem. But we didn't realise this at the time. We thought it was the same problem. But what its issue then was, was the boot catch, is a regular fault apparently, was knackered just by the way we closed it or something. Yeah. Um, so we thought that was another issue. So we parked it up, got some dinner and all that sort of stuff. And unfortunately, it, it, the first problem sort of resolved itself. And the second one, then we found that, resolved that. So we cracked on it. My heart was just sinking, mm. thinking, are we going to make this now? And if not, what we're going to do with it, where we're going to dump this bus. Because there was no Arriva depots yeah. until the, well, for the rest of the journey now, so we're knackered. Um, but fortunately, it carried on all the way for the rest of the journey. No more issues. Um, we sort of split up a bit then because we got a bit stuck going around Krakow and all this sort of stuff. But once you're past Krakow, the road's pretty much emptied out because you're heading out towards Ukraine. Where no one's going. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. And it was... Was there much coming the other way? We saw some massive army convoys. Yeah. Um, I don't know what army they were, I have no idea, but there was. we saw a couple of British vans with Ukraine flags on that were obviously taking aid out there. Yeah. Saw very few British cars, vans, buses, lorries, next to none, to be honest with you. Um, there was a few going that way. Not a great deal, really. Like, Zessau was a lovely place, but... It's not the sort of place you go for a holiday, is it? Even when there's a war going on 30 miles east. As I say, I didn't know if you'd seen any... Because um, I've seen stuff on the news, obviously, where people, obviously, you know, there's a mass exodus, obviously, everyone everyone, everyone leaving, and there's some of them just leaving on foot and literally just walking. Yeah. And whether, you, whether you'd seen any of that? Not really, no. So once we sort of got past Krakow, I think, because I was driving again by this point, we swapped back over, so yeah. I was doing the last stint, I got all the glory. 
So, <laughs> so I was doing the last stage. So we're coming round the, um, like the ring road for want of a better word, around Krakow. You go right past the airport. There's some massive planes. There's loads of military aircraft taking off. And that was what makes you think like we're getting a bit closer. Here. Mm. You know, it starts to bring it home a little bit. German aircraft taking off, like, and it sort of starts to bring it home. And the roads all go quiet. And the sun was going down, and we had some tunes on. You know when you sort of get that sort of tingly feeling, you get the goosebumps, yeah. and you think like, we've got an hour to go. We're going to make this now. When you sun. After the heartbreak earlier in the day and you think you're not going to do it, yeah. now you're suddenly starting to think, we're going to make this yeah. and this is going to make a difference. That was what it started feeling then. Yeah. Then we went through a bit, well I did anyway, went through a bit of a sort of euphoric moment of feeling on top of the world. Yeah. And then a little bit further on you're thinking, I wonder if tonight in the distance I'm going to see any bombs. Yeah. I didn't, fortunately, but... You just wonder, you don't know what you're going to see, do you? No. You know, in the darkness and that, and the sun's going down. Beautiful um, sunset. Um, absolutely fantastic. So we finally got to Zissau. Um, must have been about half past nine. nine so is this basically on the border? It's about 30, 25, 30 miles from the border. Yeah. Um, I think the nearest big city in Ukraine is Lviv. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but anyway, Lviv. Or Lviv. Yeah, if you want. Okay. It's LVIV, so. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, so, yeah, 25, 30 miles from the border. So, we, we had to take him to a, a compound, basically. We sort of pulled up outside this random industrial estate and filled the buses up. I think John spent probably about 500 quid's worth of fuel filling them up. I think the theory was that. If we do it, it saves the people doing the, the yeah. real good work. It saves them time. I've no issue with that. So, yeah, yeah. so that's what we did. We showed them up, dropped them off at this compound. One guy metals to just, you know, whatever. Um, and that was it. So we sort of dropped them off, had a few pictures, got an Uber into um, Zissau yeah. to find the hotel. So then we finally got into the pub like, off the town square at about 10 o'clock at night. Had a couple of beers, booked a flight home for the next morning because we hadn't even done that. We just didn't. Right. We didn't want to risk. Oh, because of the timings, not knowing how long it was going to take. Well, we were hopeful we were going to make it that night, but we just didn't want to risk. Maybe we weren't going to make it. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Um. So yeah, got to there to that pub, and we, me and Lynn, booked the flight back to Manchester at the pub, but it meant getting up. So we got back to the hotel again about midnight. And again, we got up at five o'clock in the morning to go and get a two-hour train from Zissau up to Krakow mm. and then back out to the airport. Um, and we flew from Krakow Airport sort of mid-morning, Ryanair back to Manchester. So the whole thing was what, five days? Yeah, we came back on, I think it was the Thursday, wasn't it? Or was it the Wednesday? I can't remember, to be honest with you. I'm sure you came back on a Thursday. Yeah, I think it was. Yes, it Thursday. was. It was definitely Thursday. So I took four days off work. So, yeah, yeah it was a Thursday. Um, and we were back sort of mid-afternoon. Amazing. What was your um, What was your favourite part of the... I mean, maybe we'll allude to it, but what was, was your favourite part of the journey? That last bit between Krakow and Resio. Yeah. When you start to suddenly think, like, we're going to make this. Yeah. And then I reined myself in a little bit thinking, 
you know, we've got another probably 100 miles to go now. Yeah. You know, just don't jinx anything. Yeah, don't jinx it. Touch wood, cross everything. Just don't say anything to Lynn. Just shut up, yeah. drive. She'll keep herself to herself. She's probably thinking the same as me, but yeah. let's not say it. You suddenly think, oh, I've done something decent here. Yeah. All years, like, I've done marathons, cycle, like Johnny Goats, the Land's End and all that shit. You can do all that and give money as much as you want. But finally, I've got a skill that I can use that's done something decent. I think as that well. That was why I wanted to do it. Yeah, I think as well. What's good is that I say you can do like a you know you could you can run a marathon, you could raise a couple of grand or whatever, which is great. But you don't you don't always know where that's you don't know where that, that money could have paid for admin or exactly. or whatever. You don't yeah. you never really see the tangible you don't do benefit of what you've done. Whereas yeah. I guess with what you've done, you you know exactly what's happening, exactly what's going to happen, what it's going to do. Even having things like the, um, you know, the the equipment on board. That was, that was the close second. Yeah. Moment. I mean, when John came to me and said, we didn't know what it was going to be, but it's um, ultrasound scanners from maternity ward. Yeah. And I was biting my lips like. You know, I'm well enough of it. Yeah. Um, that's when you think, even if these buses don't make it, if one of them makes it and we get all three of them there, yeah, at least we've done something. That's you know, it. We, we've tried something, haven't we? Um, and that was that. But it was brilliant. I said it at the time, and I, I, if they asked me to do it again tomorrow, I'd be on the way. I'd mm. go straight there again. Um, I'd love to have done the driving into Ukraine as well. Yeah. I'd, I'd have done that like a shot. Um. But having said that, I'm sure loads of other bus drivers in the country would have snapped at the opportunity to do it as well. I know there's a lot, of, probably a lot of Arriva drivers that feel like they probably have their nose put out by not being given the chance. But that's not your problem. That's you know. There you go. And I think even with because um, I I didn't see much in terms of social media either in terms of from Arriva from well not that not that I was aware of. So, Arriva wouldn't. I don't know what the issue was, but Arriva wouldn't post about it. Do you think it's because because they're obviously in they're a um, multinational, yeah, global transport. So at there's the start, sensitivity right. around obviously who you know you don't want to piss off. So we asked them to post. I've asked my work to post about it, and they've not done it, and I don't know why. They asked me to write a blog, which they've published internally, which I've no issue with, but. I don't know why they've not published it externally and I'm not going to push it, but whatever. Um, but we thought that Arriva wouldn't do it because they wanted to make sure the buses and us got there safely first to safe it. If something went wrong, yeah. then you can sort of see why they've not done it. However, it later transpired that Arriva in Poland had a security concern about it. Ah. Now, I don't know what it is. Um, I've not been told, but whatever it was, has been resolved. Now, obviously, these buses are green with... They've had the Arriva peeled off them, but yeah. you can see it where it was, you know. It's, people aren't stupid. Um, it's quite clear where they've come from. Yeah. Um, but whatever it is, has been resolved. And Arriva have posted about it now, and um, they've not made a massive amount of it, but this is what frustrates me about like our sort of industry. The, this sort of thing is massive. You know, they can make so much positive yeah. stuff about it but they just don't you know but there you go but the beer what do you reckon 
yeah, I'm, 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 I've really enjoyed the beer to be honest, and obviously listening to uh, to your sort of story through the whole thing. I think it was funny because I remember it all it all came about very quickly, and I remember my wife saying that you what you were doing, and I was like, eh, what? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah, I was like, it was like whatever day it was, and then it was like. Uh, he's going. He's going. He's gone. Or he's like you'd either gone or you were going like the next day. And I said, well, "We hadn't told me anything." Um, he's kept that quiet. Yeah. But obviously, it was, came together pretty pretty it came late out on. Nowhere, yeah. We were um, all, we all sort of ended up taking on our own little bit. So I managed to get LNER in Northern to give us free train travel for Robert, the guy that lives in Glasgow. They yeah. gave him free train travel all the way down to Hull. Put him in first class, free meal, everything. Absolutely brilliant. So that was my sort of thing. I was chasing that down, and so at once it sort of kicked off. I didn't really sort of tell anyone. It was just like, just get on with it. And mm. I got shit to sort, and then I didn't have a suitcase. Like I needed a sort of decent sized suitcase. Like even things like that, I had to get that. Yeah. And then the day before I went, I was in Brighton watching Norwich. I could have probably done without that, but I had the ticket. But that's what confused me as well because I was like. I'm sure you're watching. There was a whole thing of like it was very confusing because it was, yeah. Um, yeah. Say it was like I thought something like that, something was massive with that. I thought you would have, you would have mentioned that you would you were going or doing it. So it's like it must have been, must have been it short notice. Come out of nowhere. But I've got to say, just you know that that um, you know when I, when I saw what you were doing, obviously following and stuff, I was really quite um, quite proud. You know, proud. You know, seeing some. It was more sort of, and also really. Sort of happy on your behalf because I, I could only imagine you know, it's a difficult thing to do but like you say it doesn't feel like any trouble because of the end result and how that must make you feel I just thought oh that must be such an amazing feeling to you know to to be able to feel like you've made that massive difference you know no matter what that is going to have a saved lives and b helped new lives come into the world so it's that double whammy yeah and I just thought oh, I, must I, I was I was quite almost emotional about it, proud that you'd gone and done it and put your neck out and gone and done it but also as well sort of thinking about the you know thinking of the um, how you must have been feeling being able to do that and how how rewarding that is and how that sort of how that how massive that feels and that's this is a life-changing event it's something that you'll I'm always remember that You'll yeah. never ever forget doing something. It's, it's a bucket list sort of thing, but nothing you'd ever really put on your bucket list because you never think you're going to have to do that. No. You never think you're going to. It's just where the world is. Within 72 hours of yeah. being asked, not asked, but yeah. that thing there, I'm just, just sitting there, just. You never. I, I'd you'd, have some of that. I'd you know. would never have thought, you know, you'd like to think, you know, you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to be brought to do something like that. that a neighbouring country wouldn't be in such a shit state that, that that's the kind of thing that you'd ever be in a position to do. But having done it, like I say, it's 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 memories that'll that'll last your lifetime and also all the other people that were on it as well. Exactly. Um and I'll stop being a soccer bollocks for a minute and um should we do the traditional ratings of the beer? I think we should. So yeah. we've declared it a barbecue beer. That's it's definitely a barbecue dead cert. Beer. And I'd say it's a it's a weird one. It's a barbecue beer, but it's also like an all weather beer. Like I could, I could be drinking this at like a Christmas market. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in um, Tbilisi the other week, it was probably about seven or eight degrees. So it was cold. It was a cold weather beer, literally at that point. 
um, yet we've come here and it suits the weather perfectly. Just what's just my middle class life. Yeah. What more could you want? It's got a nice froth in that glass as well that you just finished off. That's what I mean. I mean, it had a, it had a it had a good a good good head, but not aggressive head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but but obviously the ambassador, I don't think the ambassador would would touch it, and that's not a criticism of the the taste of the beer, the beer itself. Um, I just, I don't think it quite meets the criteria, no, especially I, I totally as we're don't. having it from a from a plastic bottle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's some people that will turn their noses up at this, but obviously don't don't judge a um, needs more. So they did do glass don't judge ones with Grolsch type lids. I noticed on the website that yeah. um, the, the yeah the Grolsch lids, but I didn't feel like that was the best option to bring back in a suitcase on Ryanair. You went for bulk. Yeah. Well, um, it, it was more security. Oh right. Really, sort of hoping it would make it back. I thought plastic was a better option than glass. Yeah, fair enough. So there we go. So should we rate it out of ten? I think we should. Okay. Ready to do fingers? Yeah, let's do fingers. Yeah. Okay, ready? Always fingers. Three, two, one. You've gone seven. seven. I've gone eight. 7.5 it is, then. I'm happy with that. I think that's a perfectly fine score. Seven Three and a half. Quarters. Yeah. Really good strong beer. Works in all weathers. Rock solid. Nice depth of flavour to it. Great backstory. Yeah, and, and we um, we'll be back at some point. I think we're going to have to stick with extracurriculars for a bit. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I was thinking? I know we, we, we're bad at doing admin in the middle of shows, mm. but um, but it's been a couple of years since the last um, beer festival. It has. Do you reckon we should do another one? I think we should try and do something. Either, although I'm from, uh, from thinking from earlier, I'm quite liking the idea of the hot tub pod. <laughs> Yeah, I've also had an idea for a, a surprise day out for you, if you fancy it. If you're oh, up okay. for it, for a, doing a, a surprise day out pod. Well, we'll discuss that off air. Okay. Off, off air. But, um, uh, again, thanks again for listening. Um, Socials, at FTLB pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as always. Um, we'll be back at some point, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, with something. Um, thanks again for listening. Stay safe wherever you are, and uh, bye-bye. I wanna do is drink beer for breakfast <laughs>